0: All right, it is a Wednesday morning, and we all know that means time for our weekly visit with Dr. Stan Anderson. He's on our WHBC Newsline this morning. Good morning, Dr. Stan.
1: Hey, Pam. Great to talk to you.
0: Boy, I am so happy that you brought up this this research about teenage girls, because I had been reading about it, too, um, and found it extremely interesting. So maybe explain uh, a little bit what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, so um, this was uh, published through the CDC, and they were basically looking at the way in which the pandemic has had negative effects on children and um, not just the deaths and the uh, statistics. So right now, our COVID statistics are uh, much, much better. We're now getting around 6,500 new cases per day, about 50 deaths per day, so COVID statistics are way, way down, Um, that's a good thing, but the negative impact that it's had with having lockdowns and with having, um, having the mask and not having that has had a negative effect on our psyche, and according to the CDC, their final publication from 2021 showed that nearly three in five teenage girls felt persistent sadness in 2021, That was double the rate of boys and that one in three girls seriously considered attempting suicide, according to this data. Um, And it was just released uh, on Monday uh, that all of this came out. And so it's really a wake up call that says that the other effects of the pandemic, um, besides just the infection that people are getting, has had a major negative impact on uh, the way in which we feel and the way in which we think. So this should be a wake up call to all parents that have teenage girls that says, you need to pay attention to your family. You need to pay attention to your daughters. Now is the time to make sure that you're opening up that dialogue with your children so that they feel comfortable. You need to try to get them help if necessary you need to try to consider at least opening up the avenues to discuss what they may be feeling, but oftentimes why, um, and if there's something that you can do to try to help them, now is the time to make sure that you have that conversation.
0: Dr. Sam, why do you think there is such a big disparity between boys and girls in this study?
1: Um, so part of it is is there's a difference in the feeling and the way in which other people end up um, uh, interacting with you. Um, There is a difference in the interaction styles uh, between boys and boys and girls and girls. And there's much, much more of a need to be liked, to be accepted, to be appreciated. And social media ends up being something that so many girls end up Uh, getting into in order to try to raise their self-esteem. And if they don't get the kind of responses that they were hoping to get for things that they post, that apparently is a major driver. Um, And then a large part of it also is when you're alone, when you're not with other people, um, it just negatively impacts people so much more.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because my son has a t-shirt that says, boys get sad too. And I have been with him when he's worn it. And I cannot tell you the number of young men who come up to him and say, yes, dude, absolutely. And there's part of me that would look at that and say, is this because boys are too proud or that's not what they do? They can't say they're sad. You know, that kind of thing. Do you think that factors in at all?
1: Uh, That's a huge factor. And part of it is, is when Children, when they go through some of those early teenage years, um, I, um, I, I, I've noticed that there's a much, much more of withdrawing from their interactions with their parents. I have this analogy that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that I, I got from my sister, Marva Hoops. She made a wonderful, wonderful statement. She said children are kind of like cats and dogs. When they're young, they're kind of like a dog you take them somewhere they go with you they like to be with you um you like to be with them somewhere around the teenage years they kind of turn into cats (laughs) where they'll go with you if they want to go with you and yeah what you do that isn't necessarily what they want to do and then somewhere in the early 20s they kind of start to turn back into dogs again where and maybe being with mom and dad isn't that bad of an experience after all. So I, I, I yeah. love that analogy, the analogy of dogs and cats when it comes to our relationship with our children. Yeah. And it's very true.
0: Uh, let's switch gears here for a minute to talk about food addiction, because I think this is even through the pandemic, this became a bigger issue as well.
1: Yeah, and uh, so this was a new study that just came out. It was a national poll on healthy aging. So it was looking at people between the ages of 50 and 80. And they were saying that roughly one in eight Americans ended up having food addictions, primarily to highly processed foods. And the whole thing was, was this whole food addiction with intense craving and one in four said that at least once a week they had such a strong desire to eat food that was a highly processed food that they couldn't think of anything else. And their eating behavior actually caused significant amount of stress for basically one in eight up to three times a week. So the symptoms of food addiction would be a craving that's very intense, an inability to cut down on intake, and signs of withdrawal upon reducing the intake. So uh, yesterday, being um, uh, Valentine's Day, I made a very uh, foolish mistake. I went out and I got chocolate for my wife. (laughs) Unfortunately, she likes dark chocolate, and I got white chocolate. I love white chocolate. Uh, I think I might have a food addiction to white chocolate. <laughs> she looked at me and she said, oh, these are very nice, but they're really not my favorite. You can have some. And before you know it, I ate the whole box <laughs> and I just didn't stop. And, and I got, oh, my goodness, what's going on? It was, that was so good, I want another and without even thinking, I would end up going and having another. We're sitting, we're playing a game last night. We played Rummy Cube. And so as we're playing, um, all I'm thinking about is another white chocolate, another white chocolate, another white chocolate. And it was one of those things I could not get it out of my mind. So I can really understand that when people have some type of a craving, that if it's available, You're going to give in to it. So the short answer is one of the things that you need to do is be aware that if this is your downfall, if this is what you're more inclined to do, you need to come up with a strategy of how you're going to manage that. You should talk to your healthcare provider about possibly being on medicines. Otherwise, the strategies the psychologists say are out of sight, out of mind, out of mouth. So don't buy it. Don't have it in the house. Don't have it anywhere nearby. If you're not going to have it, you're not going to think about it as much. So that's one of the things. And then the other issue is is make sure that you invest your time in people so that you're with people so that the more that you're alone, the more likely it is that you're going to be giving in to that.
0: Yeah. Oh geez. Well, next time we ran out of time, but next time let's talk about the um, the obesity data because I think that's very interesting about who's normal and who isn't, right? Uh,
1: well, uh, things are definitely changing. That is for sure. So yeah we'll have um, we'll have a new study that just looked at that twenty uh, year data, and we'll talk about that next week. All right, sounds good. Thank you, Doctor Stan. Thanks, Pam.